Am I allowed to open my sherbet during this podcast? Why am I a criminal for wanting halloumi wraps? He's just shook his head uh, in yes. So if anyone gets annoyed at me eating sherbet during this, I Well, I, I discovered a pretty cool thing because we record on two mono tracks now. So when there's weird noises while one of the others, while the other person's speaking, you can generate silence on the other side. So all those n bombs you were dropping last episode, I just cut them all out. They're the what n bombs? Do you not remember all the racial slurs you were using as I was talking? You just Whatever. kept shouting them. Whatever. Started. You did. <laughs> right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to a drunk history of Middle Earth, a, a podcast where. On the surface, it's about Lord of the Rings. In fact, we use it to discuss very important topics like what we should have done with the ingredients we bought in the shopping for the meals. We use this time to communicate, our weekly communication time. That's true. It's our weekly communication. So if you listen to this episode, it's about the Vanyar Elves, which are the, the, the goodest boys and goodest girls of the Valar. Our last episode was all about the Moriquendi, who are the dark elves, the elves who didn't see the light of a man. So, if you want to go back and listen to that episode, absolutely do. Now, before we get started today, we're going to do this at the top of the episode. Please like, review, subscribe, share, tell your nana, make your dad get a tramp stamp tattoo. <laughs> However you can help us get, get word around would be absolutely fantastic. I'm only one man who takes care of our social media and I, I can't do it all. And I genuinely love the interactions that we have with people. And I will give a shout out to Chris Hitchcock, who's a musician from North Carolina, who described us as having amazing accents, to which I was like, what the fuck are you on about? And he said, in North Carolina, we sound like cultured royalty, which... That's nice. Uh, yeah, it is nice. But I'm it's going all... to go and have high tea now. I, I just, I, I can't imagine i can't imagine a north carolina accent Do you know what i'm coming up with is um like have you seen wrong turn yes i'm just thinking like you shouldn't have done that oh no <laughs> what is that it sounds quite sexy uh, no i'm thinking <laughs> you know what? i'm thinking of wrong turn where they do the southern accents but the quote i've just done was fucking cartman from south park where he finds uh, what he, i think he finds some, one of the mom's tampons in the trash and he, he thinks it's the thrown away baby and he just keeps the whole episode, he goes, you shouldn't have done that, he's just a boy. <laughs> I don't know if that's what North Carolina sounds but like. Anyway, that was very nice of Chris to say we have amazing accents. I don't agree, but I will take the compliment. I, I do agree, I'm going to take the compliment and I'm going to say, yes, we have the best accents because we're from the northeast. I'm going to try and have a bit of patriotism in our very crappy country right now not the crappiest country we're still we're still up there but um that well, depends who you talk to going down the shitter really isn't it everything's going down the shitter we're just watching the world burn the and fall of rome yeah yeah it is it, it, it is it feels like the world is the fall of rome and we're playing the fiddle while rome burns yeah pretty much we're just is... like let's make the best out of this scenario let's i will say there must be a reason that this late, at this point in my life, I've dived deep into a fucking fantasy world <laughs> when the, the world around me is going to shit. But that being said, I love my life. And let's talk about elves. That old, yeah, that, let's talk about the most perfectest of elves. So let's do a quick recap. 
How many groups of elves can you remember from the last episode? There were three. There were the ones that travelled to Iluvatar. No, Iluvatar's god. They travelled to Ainor. No, those are the order of being Aman. They travelled to Aman. Yes. And they got there. Had yes. a lovely time. That's one group. There were some that travelled there and then due to unforeseen circumstances returned back. Yes. There were some that um, didn't even try, didn't even bother going. Just were like, I'm happy here. Peace out. Bingo. That is one of the three distinct... That is three of the distinctions we made last time. And you are right. When we dealt with two of those groups, which Don't was... Don't ask me the names. No, no. That's fine. We dealt with two of those groups, which was the ones that turned back and the ones that refused. Which was? The Nando means the ones who go back and the Avari means the unwilling. Mm. Why are you testing me? I... Did the research and the episode. I I know this. <laughs> no, you said which was. It was poor grammar. Okay, I thought it was oh, funny. Right. Oh right, I thought was, it was it, funny. Is it which were? Yeah. Oh okay. See that sentence in your head. I can't remember which sentence. We're gonna to have to move on. Today we're going to discuss. So of the three groups of elves who got to Aman, who became the Calaquendi. Elves of the Light, and I think the distinction is Amanya, which means Elves of Aman. I can't, I can't think, I don't think, uh, maybe they are Amanya, I can't find the reference to it. Definitely Calaquendi, Elves of the Light. They saw the light of the two trees, it enriched them, it made them great, it made them classic, class, right? Yeah. And of those, th- of those Calaquendi that got there, there was all of the Vanyar, all of the Noldor, and some of the Teleri. And the Vanyar are who we're going to talk about today. So, who were the Vanyar? They were described as the fairest of the three kindreds. And their physical characteristics are that they're generally tall, with pale skin and golden hair. And the Valar, it turns out, play favourites because they are the most revered of all the elves, and Manwe and Varda love them better than any of the others. And it's said that few among men, mortals, have ever spoken with them. And I will come to my own conclusions. Uh, sorry, I will come. I will tell you my conclusion at the end of the episode. But I like the Vanyar elves much more than I ever thought I could like any group of elves because you know me I'm like a hardcore do- I'm a hardcore dwarf man right yeah. through and through dwarves all the way but if I could choose any of the elf group to be I'd be the Vanyar because they are no bullshit do what is best for us kind of thing and not in a not in a shitty way but we'll, we'll, we'll come to that and in the beginning in the beginning, at Quivenen, there was only 14 of these elves that would later become the Vanya, and Imin was the first elf to awake, and his name means one, or first, and his wife was Iminye, according to the children's story that we, we covered 
of how elves, you know, learn to count. I was qu quite surprised to learn this because I never think of Manway being connected to this. But Manway gave them the gift of poetry and song because apparently that is completely his domain and his jam as well as being the king of the Valar, lord of the winds, Eru's favourite son. He's, yeah, he's, he's the, the, the big cheese for poetry and songs. Just like Aule is the, the poet, like the big one for crafting and all things to come from crafting. Well, that's how things get passed down, aren't they? Through communication. Um, like, what's it called? Not for, um, what's it called again? I'm trying to think. What's like verbal tradition? Oral history. Yeah, yeah like oral, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. History's passed down orally. Through societies that can't write and things like that, so yeah, um, yeah, and and it's it's very language is language and song is very important to the elves because yeah. when they first woke up, that's one of the first things they did was they started naming things and then they started singing their own songs and, and what have you. And when Finrod Felagund comes into the story later on, who is a, a Noldor elf, he first he's the one who first discovers men in Beleriand. And he waits till they're asleep and he goes into their camp and he picks up a harp and he starts to sing a song. And the men who wake up, it's so beautiful the song that he's singing that the men who wake up think that they're kind of like in a dream. And, and Finrod teaches them stuff and, and teaches them the language of the elves and that. And so, yeah, songs and, and poetry and that are massive for the elves. I felt like it was going down a rapey kind of direction. No. He teaches them things. I, I... <laughs> Mr. Felagund has released a statement on this matter <laughs> and he is receiving inpatient treatment for the foreseeable future and he will no longer be hosting the 10 o'clock BBC News. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, elves, poetry, very important because it was important to Tolkien. Now, I, anyone who follows us on Instagram, which you absolutely should, will see that I am regularly posting snippets of poetry from the Lays of Beleriand, where I'm reading the Lay of Lathian, which tells the story of Beren and Luthien, and it's one of the longest versions of that poem that there is, because I, I love that rhyming couplets bit, and, and yeah, elves have got tons of songs. So Tolkien, uh, elves, elves did like poetry and songs because it was important to Tolkien. So fair dues. Now, I don't know if you know this, but Tolkien was a philologist. Wow. So there are some language bits that we'll, we'll go through first because I know you like to get it out of the way. And first name... Oh, I didn't bring my pen and paper. Yeah. <laughs> the first name we have is Vanyar, which is obviously it's the title of this episode. And the Vanyar... The van, sorry, the word Vanyar in Quenya simply means the fair. It's just, they're called that because of their hair. It's just like how you refer to everyone with dark hair as browns and blacks. Oh, Chris. <laughs> no, I do not. <laughs> you don't, I'm joking. <laughs> Your face there, that was class. The Vanyar, though, name themselves the Minyar, which just means the firsts. Uh, another name they also give themselves is Ingar or Ingwer, which means chieftains. So they're not shy about being proud of who they are. And in Sindarin, which is the other 
elven language, and it's the most popular one in the Third Age, calls their Miniel or Miniel, which means first elf or first elves. So everywhere they go, it's just... Do you, know, like how, do you remember how Saruman's names all translate to, like, wise man? Yeah. And even in Old English in the real world, Saruman means old, wise old man or something. It's just like that. Every variation of Vanyar is to do with how they're, they're the first. That That's their whole jam. And lastly, a couple of other names that apply to them are Calaquendi and Light Elves. Uh, and Light Elves because these boys and girls most definitely saw the light of the two trees. And so we'll, we'll, let's, let's go over a bit of history of the Vanyar. And again, I was one, again, surprised kind of how much there is to this. And two, surprised by how much I like them. Of all the elves I've studied so far, these are these are my favourite. So we mentioned in our last episode that when Orome got to the elves, it started a, deba a debate amongst them. It wasn't straight away they were like, yeah, let's go. Instead, they eventually chose three ambassadors. And Ingwe was one of these ambassadors who went to Valinor. And he's the one who didn't want to come back and wanted to stay with Varda and Manwe. And he gets his wish pretty quickly. And I will make a small correction to the last episode. I said that Ingwe, once he goes to Valinor, when the great journey starts, he never comes back again. Yeah. I don't know if he was there in person, but it's pretty safe to assume that he might have been back to Middle-earth once before, in, before the end of the First Age and then never again. Was he the guy who copped off with someone? No, but we'll we'll come to them because they do play into the story, uh, the elves and men ones. Ah, oh, right, okay. And, oh, no, you're thinking of Elway who became Thingol, who married Melian, the Maya? Yeah. Yeah, they, he is of the Teleri elves who we'll cover in another episode. So Ingwe was one of the ambassadors. He didn't want to come back and barring coming back as from being an ambassador, then coming back once more before the end of the First Age, he does get his wish and, and he stays in Valinor. He doesn't get involved in much and during the Great Journey, the Vanyar Elves were always at the front. They were always in the vanguard. They were pushing ahead constantly, like, come on, come on, let's fucking go. So the, the whole time throughout the Great Journey, Oromir would lead them, okay? Yeah. And the, but the Elves... Who's Oromir again? The Valar. The Huntsman, the one who discovers oh, right. the Elves. Okay. yeah. So Oromir, on his horse, Nahar, would lead them. But the elves were in love with everything. They they loved it. So they were walking under the stars all the time because the sun and the moon hadn't risen yet. And they wanted to stop everywhere. And they wanted to... Uh, but Oromir was like... It was like just herding sheep, essentially, right? But every now and then, Oromir would have to go. Either he'd have to go and hunt some of Morgoth's monsters or he'd have to return to Valinor. Because uh, the great journey took many years, remember? Occasionally he'd have to go. And the elves, whenever he would leave for a bit... The elves would stop wherever they were and just kind of wander about for a bit until he came back for them. Yeah. And until, obviously, the Misty Mountains is the first stopping point for those who set out. But the Van Vanyar didn't hesitate across the Misty Mountains. They just went. And, and as we discussed last time, the, the Misty Mountains caused a split with the Teleri elves. Yeah. Didn't happen with any of the Vanyar or any of the Noldor. They, they were, were just, just on it. On it. Straight across fucking YOLO running up one side running down the other like a, a, like a Looney Tunes like card like Takeshi's Castle yeah, it, was like Looney, it was like Looney Tunes they just ran up the no, one side straight back down the other I think it's more like Takeshi's Castle 
Yeah. She just, just the effort I can imagine, because obviously all the contestants on Takeshi's Castle, they uh, all in it, run straight into it. They want to get to that end challenge. So I see it. Well, yeah. Fair to say, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All those Japanese uh, YouTube videos we've been viewing. Yeah, all all I can think of is those elves trying to run ahead. But they don't realise that like some of the Teleri elves have attached like bungee cords to the back of their <laughs> pants and they're just getting like slammed backwards. <laughs> like you know at the end of Shaun of the Dead where they've got the zombies in the game show. Oh yeah. It's like well yeah, it's like Takeshi's Castle, yeah. So the the Vanyara eventually came into Beleriand and then to the shores, they crossed without any hesitation in the first trip across the sea. They went first to Aman and then to Valinor. And and that's it, the Vanyar straight in it's straight there. But I'm gonna pause here and ask you, how do you think the elves got across the sea the first time? I think that they swam. Yeah? Is that your final answer, given that our last episode was the song of Nimrod uh, in the last episode we mentioned the song of Nimrodel? The boatman. Who'd fucking drowned trying to swim back to shore. Well, when I said swim, I kind of meant floated. Yeah. Um, How? You know, like the like the Dead Sea. Oh yeah. yeah. Like it kind of just like floated them Mm. there. Maybe that might have come to that. I mean, because they wanted them there. The Valar did want them there, and almost, so, almost the Lord of Waters. Surely, of deep that's waters. what I was thinking. That was my logic that he would kind of assist them. Well, that might have been actually a more reasonable thing to do. Or Jesus, where like the seas part for him. That was Moses. Moses and the seas part for him. Yeah. Okay. All right. I can. I can see this happening. I, I can see this. I sound like a mad Raji lunatic. No, don't no, I? no, I can... Uh, right, it, it's not completely out there. I, I can understand where you're coming from. Do you remember the island Tol Erisea? We've mentioned it a few times. It's where Bilbo, Frodo, Sam, Gimli... It's like the middle ground. Kind of, it's the, the island closest to Aman. Yeah. yeah? And, and that's, that, that's the closest that they can get there because they're not, mortals aren't allowed on Aman itself. Yeah. But by special... Not re- the lifestyle. By special... Yeah, because it'd kill, it'd kill you as well. But by special exception, they could go and live there till the end of their days, right? Well, Tol Erisea means Lonely Isle in Quenya because it used to sit in the sea by itself. And what Ulmo did was much like me when I've got the baby when I've got our daughter in the pram he grabbed it and just across the sea he pushed them across the sea on an island so he grabbed an island out of the middle of the ocean dragged it to Beleriand said hop on kids they jumped on and then he made big brum brum noises across the whole sea I didn't think of that option because I'm not Ulmo well yeah yeah true so I didn't think the logistics through, but True. it makes sense. It's not very often I say, well, no, actually, he just moved an entire island. But this happened twice. So Ulmo pushed it over, then back, then over. And that was twice, I think, was how he did it. Just a whole island casually being ripped up. And then it came to rest, and it was it came to rest just off the coast of Aman. 
and that's where it stayed forever. And the Teleri, a lot of Teleri elves live there until they moved on to a place called Alqualondi, which was a port near near. It was in Amman. That itself. sounds like a holiday and destination. It does. That yeah. sounds like Benidorm. Alqualondi by Tui. <laughs> <laughs> and what this this kind of made me laugh is in earlier versions uh, and some interpretations of Tolkien's work Tol Erisea well it's not an interpretation Tol Erisea was a stand-in for the UK it was a lonely, a lonely island mm. but given the way the world looks right this made me laugh because if that was the case and that was the UK it'd be it'd be the same as finding out that God used Britain as a way to get French people to Canada. And that's all we were used for. Like, I'd be <laughs> fucking raging. <laughs> Could you imagine that? <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell. But, uh, yeah, so the Vanyar got, got across, uh, and, and there they are. They're in Amman now. First, they lived in a city called Tyrion, which is an elvish city in Valinor. There's another, so there's the city of the Valar called Valmar, the city of the Valar in Valinor called Valmar, which means city of bells. The elves built their own city called Tyrion. And there, Ingwe, the chief, the, the captain of the, the I'm Vanyar. I'm the captain now. Yeah. They, so the Vanyar and the Noldor lived there together. And Ingwe was the ruler, the, the high king of elves. And around this time, Ingwe had a large tower built called... Mindon Eldalieva, I think is the pronunciation. Mindon Eldalieva. And the name means... Like the Spanish Lieva. <laughs> and the name means Our Tower or Tower of the Eldar, which to me seemed a bit mafia. It's like, do you know what Tony Soprano's like, our thing, this thing of ours. Yeah. They did, they, they did exactly that with a, a with a tower. So it leads to the question... Did Tony Soprano ever read the Silmarillion? Almost certainly not. <laughs> in Tyrion, Yavanna gave the elves a gift. And that gift, being Yavanna, Yavanna is the kind of woman you know what you're getting from her every Christmas and birthday. It's a fucking plant. Because that is her whole socks. thing. Nope. You get socks from Aule that he knitted himself. From Yavanna, you're getting plants every single time. And the elves were no exception. They got a tree. <laughs> and a tree was called Galathilion. And it was the spitting dab of Telperion, the silver tree. I thought it, it rang a bell, the name. Yeah, uh, except the only difference was it, it just didn't give out light. But knowing Yavanna, it was one of the Cheapskate. most, most beautiful. <laughs> so, listeners, I'm not going to insult anyone's intelligence here. I'm going to assume why you know that was a silly thing for Rebecca to say. <laughs> and Rebecca, I think you know why that was a silly thing to say. <laughs> the tower, Mindon El Dalieva, was the highest point of the city. And there was a, an incident where the Noldor left the city and they left Aman altogether and came to Middle Earth. It was when Feanor stirred up shit and the shit started being stirred up in the city, in the city of Tyrion. And that's where Feanor made his big speech near the tree and declared, him and his seven sons declared the oath of Feanor and then they all left. And 
the Feanoni's sons never looked back when they left. They were too proud, right? But some of the elves looked back as they were leaving a man. And the tower, the beacon shining in the darkness was the last thing that they saw. Because it was so bright and beautiful. And when the elves were leaving, following Feanor, a dark figure appeared on the rocks near them and proclaimed the doom of Mandos, which was a prophecy about the miseries that they would suffer after leaving the protection of the Valar. And we'll go more into this in the Noldor episode because it's a big event. But one Noldor, one of the, sorry, one of the Noldor and a few others turned back after this, but the most important one was a Noldor elf called Finarfin, who is Galadriel's dad. Mm. And Feanor was his half-brother, which means that Galadriel is Feanor's niece. But Finarfin had a bit of sense, so he changed his mind, and he turned back, and he said, look, I'm very sorry. And the first thing that he saw when he came back was the tower shining in the distance. And, and that was... It's a beacon, that tower... But fuck fucking Noldor though, right? We're talking about the Vanyar. And at some point during living in the city of Tyrion, the goodest boys and goodest girls yearned for more face time with the Valar. And so they moved out of the city and they went to live uh, on the plains and the woods at the bottom of Taniquetl. They went all hippie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they went. They went to the, the to the bottom of Taniquetl. Rounding and things. Yeah, they just they lived just they, they yeah they just went to live, just directly below Manway's halls, so that they were always nearby. And as I mentioned, Ingwe is the king of all elves above all above all others, and so as it stands currently, Finarfin turned back and rules as the king of the Noldor in Valinor, right? Yeah. I think Olway is still the king of the Teleri and Ingwe is the king of the Vanyar. But Ingwe also is the high king of all elves. And the only king above him is Manwe, who is king of all Arda. I'm going to be honest here. Do you really remember all these names? Because I'm going cross-eyed here. Given the amount of research I do for each episode and the amount I talk about it and the amount I think about it and just how deeply fascinating it is to me, there is a, there is a chance, there's always a chance that I'll mix up a name, but it's normally one of the Finns. I'll, miss up, I'll, I'll mix up Fingon with Finarfin or... Nerd! It's just something like that. Or, or like uh, Thingol with Finrod. And in my head, but I'm I'm getting I'm getting better. Like it, it, the thing is, like I don't think there's any skill ceiling to this. Like you just keep going uh, in terms of I'm not going to say scholarly pursuits. That's so fucking pretentious. But in terms of nerdiness, you just keep going, just keep going. <laughs> so if anyone wants any motivation yeah. to um, dig in deep yeah. into Tolkien, hey, if you want to neglect your job in favour of an autistic pursuit of Lord of the Rings. You can do it. I believe in you. I've done it. <laughs> <laughs> no, you haven't. I know how early you get up to work. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love my job, so let's let's not. Anyway, Ingwe is the high king of all elves. Manwe is the high king of just everybody. Men die too quickly. Nobody gives a fuck. But things was happening 
in Valinor, right, in the first age. And our episode of the chaining of Melkor, I think, at the end of that, Morgoth got sent to do porridge, got sent to do hard times, you remember, for three ages of the world? Yeah. When he came out, he was on tag, and he had to live within the city of Valmar for a bit. And there was elves coming and going, right? And there was elves all around. But then after a little bit, he was allowed out of Valmar, and he was allowed to roam around the continent and... and do what he will because he, he pretended that he pretended that everything was fine yeah this is one of my best parts about it so Morgoth this whole time deeply hated everyone and everything and he wanted to manipulate people to, to, to his own ends the Teleri he thought were too weak the Vanyar were the strong very strong but none of the Vanyar trusted him None of them. They would not give him the fucking time of day. They were like, you are the drama, sir. Fuck off. None of them would give him the time of day. So he couldn't get his, he couldn't get his hooks in. Couldn't manipulate them. Couldn't do anything. The Noldor, on the other hand, so this is before Feanor kicks off, right? Yeah. The Noldor, on the other hand, they were they wanted to learn. They were tryhards, as, as we mentioned. Like They wanted to be the best at everything. And Feanor around this time had created the Silmarils which Morgoth desired above all else and so through things like that he was able to sow mistrust and, and stuff between the elves to the point where Feanor drew a sword on his half-brother and got banished from, from the city of Tyrion for, for like 12 years or something so the point being Morgoth could manipulate the Noldor couldn't get a foot in with the Vanyar couldn't do it couldn't, couldn't get close to them and that's what I like about the Vanyar is that they're just no bullshit they were like Nietzsche they are they're the ones who like if a drunk ex called them offering a booty call they're like you've had too much to drink we split up for a reason I'm not doing this whereas the Noldor like one night couldn't hurt <laughs> ten kids later aye <laughs> As I mentioned, we, you are a one-night stand that's just got out of hand. I'll, I'll be honest. I don't know how to tell you. You are so fucking rude. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm just, we, Heather said that about right, uh, John O the other day, actually, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> so, yeah. It, it's, uh, I think every couple... Hilarious because it's true? No, no. I think it, it's not true. <laughs> I think every, every couple makes that joke, though, at some point. Like, oh, I just don't know how to tell you to go home. <laughs> Well, I've never made that joke to I'm you. I'm pretty sure no, you have. No, I have I'm not. I'm pretty sure you have. You're just rude. I am not. But well, well, let's let's go back to the elves. Let's go back to the elves and we'll argue this out once we're done. I'm joking. All right, we're going to go to bed. Yeah, we are. As I mentioned in the last episode, there's not. it's not an apartheid. Elves mix with each other. And naturally, there are some mixing between the clans. So, Feanor's dad, Finway, was one of the ambassadors. And he is a bit of an edge case with elves because elves generally marry once and for life completely to the point like it's built into elves that they, except two of Feanor, sons who were bastards, um, Kelegorm and Curufin, but elves know if someone else is married and they don't, they don't ever desire to cheat or anything like that. Like it's just built into their monogamy for life, right? But Feanor... Uh, sorry, Finway's wife died 
after giving birth to Feanor. She gave so much of herself that she she died. And she re- and, and what was interesting is she refused to be reincarnated in the halls of Mandos. She just refused. She said, I'm not coming back. I, I, and so Finway was left heartbroken without a wife. And Ma- I, think, I think it was Manway himself because Finway wanted to remarry, which had never been done before in elves. And as far as I'm aware... It's the only time it's ever been done, as an elf remarries, and Finway uh, Finway remarried a Vanya elf called Indis, or Indis, and one of her sons she had with Finway was Finarfin, who we just mentioned is the dad of Galadriel, and that's why Galadriel, despite being a Noldor elf, has. Vanya blood in her, which is why she has golden hair, because most Noldor, if you, uh, I don't know if you remember this, but from the Awakening at Quivenin, I mentioned I think that the Noldor elves mainly all have dark hair, yeah. and that's what they're known for is their dark features. But Galadriel, golden haired, and it's because of the Vanya blood in her. So, and is there a term for mixed elves? No, the, it just goes by. Which, uh, which it, group they join it, it, fit, like their faithfulness uh, yeah I think it's I th- well I think it's mainly I think it's primogeniture mainly it's like who is your dad like who does to, to who does your dad belong kind of thing Ooh. but then there's other times where he's on the birth certificate yeah. that's your second name <laughs> yeah but then there's other times where they 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 talk about like the the degree of blood that they've got in them, which we'll we'll come to in a second. But if we switch back to when Feanor and his sons and their followers left Valinor, a couple of Teleri and some Noldor and that went with them. But there's only one known Vanya elf who left with them, and she was called Elenwe. And Elenwe was the wife of another Noldor elf called Turgon. Who becomes the the king of the hidden city of Gondolin, which you might have heard mentioned a few times. Mm-hmm. And this bit's heartbreaking, right? She's the only Vanya elf that we know of to have left Valinor. And when they were crossing an ice bridge between continents called the Helcaraxi, Elenwe and her daughter Idril fell into the waters. And turn icy waters. It's a death sentence, just like you know, jumping off a cruise ship. It's pretty much a death sentence. Turgon tried to save them both, but he was only able to save his daughter, and his wife died. So, despite her leaving because of the love for her husband, I'd imagine she she didn't even make it to Middle Earth, which is just. But like, just oh, that that Tragic. could be the worst thing that must ever happen to a father and a husband is. The two people you love most in the world in danger, and you can't save them both. That's just. You wouldn't save me. You would save Autumn. I'd try and save you both. No, you wouldn't. I I would would save Autumn. I would try and save you both. I I would. (laughs) But But we had this conversation before Autumn was born. Yeah, we did. Before we said, before we know her as a person and stuff, you don't have a relationship with them when the. Like, you do in terms of. They're in the bump, but like I said, if it comes to deciding who who survives, you've got to choose me. Yeah, uh, no. But like I suppose, uh, you know, once uh, even like after a couple of days, you're in love with them. 
Absolutely. Even after a couple of seconds of them popping out, you're in love with them. So. And this has been hundreds and, and maybe even a couple of thousand of what we'd term our years. Yeah. So this and it's part of him. This yeah, this is pretty fucked up. But like, it, it, it regardless of your semantics of what you said there, you'd want to save both of them, and it would haunt you for the rest of your life if you couldn't. If you could only save one of them, you'd always want them both to live. It's it's Especially not Especially if the daughter turned into a proper twat. It's not it's not about that. Like you'd never stop loving them. But yeah, it's just, just horrible. But uh, so Idriel and Turgon survive. And Idriel eventually marries Tuor making her and Tuor the second of only three human and elf pairings in all of history. The first being Beren and Luthien. And the third being Arwen and Aragorn. Idril and Tuor go on to have a child called Erendil, who is woven throughout the Silmarillion and Lord of the Rings. And he kills the biggest dragon ever and breaks a mountain. But enough said, because again, it, we're now reaching the point in these episodes where there is a whole tapestry of stories and you'll you'll hear names come up again and again. And they're just kind of in the background. And this is one of, one of them. Erendil, the Mariner, is his own story. Idril and Tuor, their own story. Turgon, massive story by itself. So, and and for any, I say any listeners, for the listeners, again and again, we're now at the point where it's a tapestry of stories now. Uh, And so you'll hear events and you'll think, oh, that sounds familiar. And it's because I briefly described it in another episode. But now we're going to go into more detail. Like I said, the Oath of Feanor just now, we're going to come, we're going to come way back to that. Because it's a massive thing. The Doom of Mandos, massive part of it, but it's not a massive part of this story that we're telling about the Vanyar. Okay, I gotcha. So basically, fucking tapestry of names at the moment. And the last... Uh, and so that that's... Uh, Elenwe is the only Vanyar to leave Valinor, dies at the Helcaraxi, and they're only crossing the Helcaraxi because Feanor fucked over, over the other Noldor. He stole some ships after killing some Teleri elves and left most of the other Noldor and said, fuck yous. And so, the, arguably, those are the worst off ones because they can't go back to Valinor now because they've, they've put themselves in exile. So they now got to push on over them very, very dangerous Helcaraxi ice. Yeah. And after So Feanor, massive cunt, essentially. But let, let's go back and... We're back to the Vanyar. Let's go back and discuss the last bit of the Vanyar's history and the one time that they did come back to Middle-earth. And it was at the end of the first age of Middle-earth. Things weren't going well for people. Morgoth was winning. Things were very bad. And the people who had their heads screwed on in Middle-earth at the time knew that Morgoth was not going to be overthrown without help from the Valar. So this is many, many years past the crossing of the Helcaraxi. This is hundreds of years later now, right? Or what we term as hundreds of years. But the Valar had a non-interference policy with Middle-earth, considering the last time they yeah, intervened, they, they, the world they wrecked it. And remember that we, we know from one of the much, much earlier episodes that any time the Valar have tried to force elves or men to do something against their will, it never turns to good. Never, never, never. So the, they've got the Noldor elves. They couldn't really stop them from going. but And and the Doom of Mandos was the prophecy that you're going to bring utmost ruin on yourselves. It's going to be fucking horrible. And all that has come to pass now. 
it's it's a very very dark time in Middle Earth, and it was Erendil who we've just mentioned. Funnily enough, he pops back up again, who was the half elf son of Tuor and Idril. Because Tuor is the only man to ever be made into an immortal elf and live in a man. And he's got him and Idril have gone now. They've passed out of the story. They're in Valinor together. They've sailed west. Erendil, their son, has grown up. He's a he's a famous mariner. He manages to sail to a man with the help of a Silmaril. That's how he's able to get across the water without being shipwrecked or anything. And this is a man, remember. Erendil is, is half-elf, so he's counted among men. Yeah. And he makes it to Valinor. Without having to jump on an island. Without having to jump on an island. He just uses a ship called the Vingalot. Vingalote? Or Vingalot, I think. Is he the first person to make ships? No, but he's the first He's the first mortal to ever set foot on a man. And the Valar Mandos really does not like this. But Erendil gets to Valinor and he goes to the Valar and he says, I, the, I've come on the errand of the two kindreds. I, I come on behalf of elves and men. Morgoth will not be overthrown without your help. And he begged the Valar for help and and that so that they could please do something and mandos wanted him to die for being a mortal who stepped foot on the uh, on on a man but manwe in his wisdom said low it bruv he comes on the errand of two kindreds and so what happens is erendil is not killed he's made immortal but he's never allowed to set foot on middle earth again neither is his wife elwing I think she's called Elwyn. That's nice of them. And they get to live together forever. And Erendil, they hallow his boat. Ever, 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 ever. (laughs) They hallow his boat, the Vingalot, and they raise it up into the sky. And he has to sail it through the night. And it's a star. And that's what the star is, because he has the Silmaril on his brow. Yeah. And that's one Silmaril removed from the world. Because every night he goes across the sky and his wife, Elwing, she can turn herself into a bird and she meets him every day and they, they go they, they rest together before every night he flies out again. But the important thing is Erendil was successful in his mission. Also, by the way, that's Elrond's dad. That, that's who that is. Erendil left two kids behind. Elrond Hubbard. Elrond Hubbard. He leaves behind Elrond and Elros. Again... Tapestry, but whole of the story. The end result is this. Erendil is successful in his mission. The hosts of Valinor come forth and they take many, many ships and sail from the west back to Middle-earth. And it's an army of elves and Maiar, including the Vanyar and the Noldor. The Teleri elves, you notice, are not there in the army. They are mariners, they will sail the ships but because the first ever kinslaying which is elves killing elves was the Noldor killing the Teleri and stealing their ships they will not participate in the war they will not fight on behalf of the Noldor Yeah. but instead, so they said the most we'll do is we'll send the to ships we'll, 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 we'll sail you there and we'll sail you back but we're not fighting, not for those cunts Yeah. which fair dues like Fucking fair dues. And so, 
the Vanyar who left Middle Earth and wanted nothing more to do with it, they came for the last time and they wrecked Morgoth for a long time and it's said that they favoured spears as their weapon and their banners were gleaming white so they must have posed a very intimidating figure on the battlefield these golden headed warriors with long spears and white banners just like they they look like the ultimate fucking good guys right surely they just look like good and so the balrogs were defeated or driven away to hide under the depths of the world i.e. the one that hid itself in the mines of Moria and in a last desperate attempt, this is called the War of Wrath, by the way. It's the last. This is the war that wrecks Beleriand, so that it's no longer there. In a last desperate attempt, Morgoth unleashes the dragons on the battlefield. Up until now, there's only been one in and around the Silmarillion, which is Glaurung, but now he releases all of them, and this almost loses. It almost causes the the hosts of Valinor to lose the war. The dragons cause terror, utter destruction, wrecking the world. The mountains are crushed, the seas are rushing in, things are going underwater. And the day is only saved by, fucking lo and behold, Erendil in his flying ship. He leads Thorondor and the giant eagles in a battle against the dragons. And that's, Mm. by my count, that's three times now that eagles have come in and saved giant battles from going wrong. Eucatastrophe, as yeah. we've mentioned previously. And Erendil kills Ancaligon the Black, and his death crushes the mountains Thangorodrum. And with that, they're able to turn the tide. The host of Valinor retake the lost ground. They destroy Morgoth's strongholds and descend into Wangband to find that little bitch hiding. And the end result here is that Morgoth is overthrown and thrust through the doors of night outside Arda forever. He's in the void forever. Uh, well, until and that is where he will remain until the Dagor Dagorath. Yeah. Which is the end battle. It's Ragnarok. Mm. And that, that is the War of Wrath. And Aeonwe, who is the greatest and strongest Maya of all, Maya of all, asked all the elves in Beleriand to leave with him and go to a man. And I imagine he did this with a very, like, exasperated, like, for fuck's sake, look at everything that has happened. Will you please just get on the fucking ships? For God's sake. For Eru's sake. And most of the elves do. Except the ones we discussed. So you've got a couple of outliers, like uh, Orifer, who's Legolas's granddad, and a few of the Sindar, uh, Sylvan elves, uh, who from like uh, Doriath, like Thingol's people and stuff like that, the ones who go so a few of them go east and they go into Mirkwood, Lothlorien that's where they start making their homes Galadriel, Gilgalad Kiedan the Shipwright they go east instead of west because as I mentioned last time it's still that pride thing like these elves, so like Gilgalad sets up an elven kingdom they they still want these places to especially when they've just fought for it yeah, it's like they, they don't want to go back and serve the Valar. Like, they want to, to have their own places to rule. Be free so, people. Yeah, so, well, they have free, and that's what they don't get. But Celeborn Kel- uh, and Galadriel, they they go to Lothlorien, become the Lord and Lady of the Woods. Orifer goes to Greenwood, which becomes Mirkwood. And his son Thranduil eventually becomes king, etc., uh, etc. Et 
uh, there's Celebrimbor who will forge the rings of power. So like all of these these people like they 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 go and set up their own kingdoms instead of taking advice from the the stro- the best Maiar of all, which is Aonwe. But you can bet your ass. Bet your fucking ass, not a single Vanya stayed. They were like, do you know in Family Guy where like um, one of them will say like, oh, do you want to go for a ride in the car? And before they finish, like Brian's in the car. Yeah. And he's like, come on, come on, come on. That's exactly what the Vanya would be like. I, as soon as Aonwe started speaking, the Vanya would be on the ship. And they'd be like, yeah, come on, can we go? Come on. Like, come on, hurry up. So none of the Vanya stayed. They, they just went straight away. Some of the Noldor, some of the Teleri were not as, as wise, but a lot of them were. And, and a lot of them did go west. And that's the Vanya. That That is the Vanya. And, and perhaps they are my favourite group of elves because I've clowned on them being like swats and the goodest of elves and that. But no shit. They are the most sensible. That's what I love about them. No Middle-earth bullshit. No Morgoth foolishness. No Feanorian pride. Just straight up... I love Varda, I love Manwe. I don't even want to stay in the same city in heaven where this wanker is walking around. Like, we're going to go move out to the woods, just fucking leave us alone. Like, we love our life. Do not mess with that. Don't fuck with it. Just please, just leave us alone. Leave us out of your bullshit. And I can... I could totally fucking... You're convincing me. I can respect that. That's exactly how we live our life though, isn't it? Yeah. That is exactly how we live. Like, if someone starts being a dickhead, like, we don't be like, we don't try and solve it. We don't try like, and fix see you anyone. Later. Yeah, we're like, all right, fuck you. And I've said that me and my friends, like, Riley, so much is, we'll say, happy, like, what you've been up to. I won't see him for months, and I'll be like, what you've been up to. He's like, ah, oh, you know, same, same. I have a little quick update because happiness is boring. Yeah. And Chris Rock, I think, put it in one of the best ways. He said, like, the only exciting relationships are bad ones. And he's like, it, you never know what's going to happen in a bad relationship. <laughs> like, with a good relationship, you're like, oh, how are things go, and you, you know, and you, you, you haven't, that you, you know, you're, you're existing, you're happy, and you're living your life together. And you start like having disagreements about who cooks tea more. Yeah, if those are our problems, they're pretty fucking all right problems to be having. You know, there's obviously my crippling gambling addiction and you seeing male gigolos. But that's fine. We'll work on it. <laughs> but Chris Rock says in his joke, he's like, the only exciting relationship is bad ones. He says, you're never going to know what's happening in a bad relationship. He says, like, one day you're going to walk through the door and be like, you give me crabs. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that that is... That, that's the Vanya. And, and they're not drama queens. The Noldor, who we'll cover, I think, is the next elves we cover. It might not be the next episode, but it's the next elves we cover will probably be the Noldor. And they're a proper fucking doozy because they are drama queens. But that's it, my love. That that's the Vanya. What do you think of what what do you think of them? Yeah, I like them. You've got me you've got me convinced. Yeah. I, I came I came at this with a very much like you fucking swats, you absolute nerds. And then I started reading it and I read more into it and I was researching them and I thought, you know what? Nah, they just they're the adults. Yeah. They're the they're the mature elves of like leave us out of your shit we're just content absolutely so i i think you know everyone simplicity is bliss yeah everyone wants to be legolas riding down the stairs or shooting a ball 
on a shield. I want to be the elf who's not even in the fucking films. <laughs> I want to be unnamed elf. In a hammock. I want to be unnamed elf 563 in a hammock in the woods at the bottom of Tanaquetl. Reading your book. Exactly, exactly. Reading reading some elf poetry. That's who the fuck I want to be. Sounds I don't want to I don't want to be at Helm's Deep. I want to be sitting having a nice cup of tea with my supper. Yeah, like yeah, my elevensies. I want the most interesting thing I do as an elf to hear that there's a hobbit that has come and lived on uh, and is living on Tol Erisea and it'd be like first about what the fuck is a hobbit? Then you'd be like, can you please set up a shop to have to sell breakfast and then second breakfast? Yeah, but yeah. And then third breakfast. So uh, not to judge anyone who who idolizes various characters, but at this point, I think unless you're a dwarf who is literally just a blacksmith or a Vanya elf, I think you're a bit of a dra- an attention seeking drama queen, to be honest. <laughs> so right, let's let's go right, let's go through. Let's the, do a poll. Let's let's go through the actual roles that I'd want to have in Lord of the Rings, right? Vanya on the slopes of Tanaquetl. Yeah. One of the hobbits who doesn't leave the Shire. Yes. One of the dwarves who doesn't leave the Blue Mountains or Erebor yeah. during the course of it. One of... Oh, actually, none of the men really escape, actually. They're all kind of involved in yeah, wars. Yeah, men are fucked. That's big ones, that. Where would be the most peaceful place to be a man during... Oh, I suppose not Not even Dale. Dale has a war during the War of the Ring because that's where Dying Ironfoot... And King Brand of Dale, they both die fighting to defend Erebor. Mm. I'd be one of the Easterlings who didn't go to war. I didn't march to Middle Earth. That's where I'd be as a man, like yeah. a human during Lord of the Rings. Anyone else? I'm going to say if you want to be any of the, the ones who fought or were involved in the story, you're an attention seeking drama queen. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to be a tree. Yeah, fair dues, fair dues, fair yeah. dues. Just a nice tree. Mm. I want to be that tree that uh, thingy gifted. What's her name? Oh, Yavanna. Yavanna. I want. I want to be that tree. As long as they look after me. Yeah, fair dues. Absolutely. Right. In lieu, of, <laughs> in lieu of a, a, a Tolkien fun fact this week we're going to do Smut of the Week right, I'm just going to go cold into this one Gimli laid under the blankets his eyes closed as if he were asleep Legolas didn't realise he only had his eyes closed and he began to sing softly as he dried his hair it was a song in Elvish that Gimli had never heard before Legolas had a beautiful voice with perfect pitch the elf folded the towel back up and went into his pack for his nightshirt. Hold on there, Gimli said, opening his eyes. You're awake, Legolas jumped, waiting for you. Come here, just like that, Gimli said. Oh. Legolas chuckled and put his nightshirt back and he walked to the bed, climbing inside beside Gimli. He crawled over to him, getting on top and laying between his legs. Gimli put his hands on his hips as he smiled knowingly at him. Legolas blinked his sleepy eyes that sparkled with happiness, and they both moved in until their lips met. Oh, how <laughs> sexy. Oh, Especially goodness that, me. that uh, Scottish 
accent. Oof. Do you know what the worst thing was? I had to I had to skip through about three pages and a good page and a half was the descriptions of them braiding each other's hair. Which fair dues, like like I said, Lord of the Rings smut, the prose is immaculate. Yeah. I cannot fault them for that. So it is techni- from a technical standpoint, it's beautiful to read. Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> when you're wanting to get to the nitty gritty, you know, you're just wanting a quick one and out the house. <laughs> you're going to be spending your time reading oh about the many God. braids. Right, I'm going to have to pull this episode to a close. That was the Vanya. The the goodest, the, the most... Do you know what this was for me? This was the San Francisco of the Elves. I wasn't expecting it to be as good as it was, but it turns out it might be my favourite piece of the whole thing. So, yeah. Right, I'm going to pull this to a close. It's been a bit nonsense at the end. So I'm going to say good night from me. And good night from Rebecca. Peace.